With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Lisa Stone, and you're listening to Parenting Aces. Welcome to Season 9 of the Parenting Aces podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and this week we are going to be focused on injury prevention and recovery in young tennis players. My guest, Kayla Epperson, is a former collegiate player. She played at Indiana. She obviously is a former top junior player as well, and she was inspired through her own personal experiences and her junior tennis and college tennis development to pursue a career in physical therapy and has gone through all of the training required and is now in practice for herself in the Chicago area. Interestingly, Kayla reached out to me because she works with Dr. Nero Janthi and with Dr. Mark Kovacs, both of whom have been on this podcast many, many times. And so I was just thrilled to have the opportunity to talk to her in more depth about the work that she's doing to educate parents and players and coaches and to really help our youngest players stay injury free. So I hope you enjoyed this episode with Kayla Epperson. I loved speaking with her and she's got some phenomenal information to share. I encourage you to be sure to go to parentingaces.com and check out the show notes because we are going to have some really, really useful and important information linked in the show notes that you want to have access to. So for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Kayla Epperson. I'm Chris Lewis of Brimer Lewis Tennis, and you're listening to Parenting Aces. Welcome to the Parenting Aces podcast, Miss Kayla Epperson. We are so excited to have you with us this week. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be on the show. You have such a great background in the sport, and I'm really excited to kind of dig into not just your history, but really more importantly, what you're doing now. But let's start with having you give our audience a little glimpse into your tennis past. How did you get started? How old were you? Who were your coaches? And what was your relationship with your parents through the whole process? We want all the scoop. Okay, so... Um, I started playing tennis when I was probably three years old. Um, it was my parents' first dates, and so they kind of grew up playing tennis together and that encouraged me to play tennis as well. And I played a bunch of other different sports, too, as when I was younger and then kind of chose tennis as my main sport when I was probably about 10 years old and started playing more competitively. And after that, played all through middle school and high school. Um, when I was 12 years old, I had 
a pretty significant knee injury and ended up having surgery and was out for tennis from tennis for about a year. And that's when I decided I wanted to become a physical therapist and work with athletes just like me who have an experience with an injury. And I kind of reconfirmed my my desire to be a PT when I was in college. I had two surgeries during my junior season and had to sit out uh, tennis-related overuse injuries and then uh, came back for my senior year, just played doubles, or yeah, just played doubles, and um, this was at Indiana University. And then after that, now I went to grad school, so I have my doctor of physical therapy, and I'm really passionate about working with youth athletes and also teen athletes and just being a better advocate for sports specialized care, but then also taking a more of a holistic approach and kind of managing you know, all of the, the mental aspects of being away from your sport, going through rehab, being injured and coming back from injury and dealing with that. Um, I'd say I had a really positive experience with, with tennis and it brought a lot of opportunities in my life. I had really awesome coaches growing up. Um, I trained in the Chicago suburbs at score tennis, um, with some of the pros there and I still keep in touch with them today. And my parents obviously couldn't have done any of it without them and their encouragement and getting me into tournaments, traveling, doing the whole junior tennis thing, and uh, eventually helping me get into get a college scholarship and going to a, a Division One program. So they were a huge influence in my tennis career and then also very supportive and of everything that I did, especially through all my injuries. So that's kind of a brief overview of my, my tennis path. And now I'm trying to get into playing again now. Awesome. Let me interrupt you one second and ask, you mentioned that you played other sports growing up. Which other sports specifically did you play? So in grade school, I tried my hand at figure skating for a period of time. Uh, I also played soccer. Probably that was my other main sport that I played all the way through fifth grade. And then by middle school, I had pretty much picked tennis. Um, I'm trying to think if I played anything else. It seems so long ago now, but I'd say soccer and tennis were probably my main sports. And when you got your knee injury at age 12, do you, can you remember like how you felt about being sidelined from your sport? Oh yeah. So I mean, being injured and at that age, I mean, that's a kind of a delicate age anyway, because you still don't really know, you know, quite who you are, what you want, where you want to go. You don't really have a lot of independence and you're reliant on, you know, your parents and the doctors around you to, for your information. And, um, and especially at that age, not really knowing exactly what you want to do, it's, it can be a really isolating experience being injured because, you know, playing your sport is something that gives you self-confidence at that age, uh, something that gives you self-esteem, but it's also all the time that you spent training and traveling for tournaments and practicing that's time with your friends. And so um, that was really hard for me to be away from that whole you know, aspect of tennis was because that was time with my friends. Um, and so I, I just remember that being a very isolating experience and also a very frustrating um, and fearful experience. So coming back, I had, a you know, a lot of self-doubt and I was like 
oh, I missed a year of training. All my friends got better without me. They played all these tournaments and just kind of these really fixed mindset type statements in my head and um, ended up going to see a sports psychologist, which which was very helpful. But um, my parents also encouraged me to kind of be around practice or keep in touch and, and just show up and be there even if I couldn't participate, which I think helped my mental well-being a lot too during that whole um, year-long injury. And also age 12, you know, you're going through puberty, uh, your body's changing, you've got hormones raging. I mean, do you have memory of how, how that impacted you not only while you were out, but then once you came back after recovery? Yeah, I think coming, coming back was a, a huge challenge. I, I remember for a period of time, you know, going back and playing my first tournament, it was just a local junior tournament. I lost to some people that, you know, I used to beat pretty handily and it was like crushing at that age to, to feel that way. And I contemplated quitting for quite a period of time. And, um, I remember some of my, I have my coach, Tim Troiano at the time, when I was coming back, like, you know, a few of my lessons, we just sat and talked, like, because he realized that I wasn't in the headspace to, you know, physically train that day or, or have like a, a tennis lesson. I needed more of uh, a, a talk or, you know, a pep talk, put things in perspective, put life in perspective. And I think the mental side was the biggest challenge for me coming back, not so much the physical, because, that, you know, at that age, you're still developing and growing, like you said. And so it's not like I missed a ton of my physical development so much at that point, but mentally was the hardest part. Do you have any recollection of conversations that you may have had with your parents or conversations that you were having with yourself and you wish you could have with your parents? Because I think, you know, as speaking as a parent, it's often really challenging when your child is going through an injury and recovery from injury, knowing what to say and what to do to support them during that time. Right. I don't know if I have, you know, the best answer, the best approach for this, but I think one thing I remember the most about my parents, they never um, pushed me or forced me to play or come back. And on those days or weeks that I was really struggling or frustrated mentally, you know, they're very encouraging and supportive, but it was never, they never instilled fear into me. So like, if you don't do this, then this is going to happen. Or if you don't play this tournament, then, you know, you're not going to have this ranking. And they didn't take that fear-based approach to me of me coming back from injury, which I think was really helpful because it allowed me to kind of independently navigate that whole process with just them guiding me along. And, you know, when I wanted to quit, obviously they encouraged me not to, but they did it in a very positive way, not in a threatening way so that I still felt like I was in control of, you know, the decisions that I made, you know, at that time. Can you talk a little bit about your the time you were out and going through physical therapy and what it was about your experience that inspired you to pursue that path for your own life? Yeah, so I had some I had two physical therapists um, that were just really great at at working with a young athlete. They made it fun for me 
and it wasn't like I dreaded going to PT or, you know, doing boring exercises. They really tried, made an effort to understand tennis and then tried to recreate, you know, some of my tennis strokes or drills with my therapy exercises. So it made it fun for me, but it also made it more relatable and then also made me more excited about, you know, coming back and playing again, as opposed to just coming in and doing, you know, random basic generic exercises that everyone else gets. So that was when I kind of decided I wanted, you know, this is what I want to do. And I I really enjoyed my time there. And when you were becoming a physical therapist, you connected with Niru Jayanthi, who the Parenting Aces audience knows very well because he's done this podcast a million times and written lots of articles for our website. But how did you happen to come in contact with him and talk a little bit about how he has influenced you? Yeah, so um, I actually have known Dr. Jayanthi since I was probably around that same age, 12 years old, uh, he used to come out to score tennis club and run our kind of physio portion or fitness portion of our training groups. And at that time, I had no idea he was a doctor. We all just called him Nero. He would show up and run us through some drills on court or an off court and, and talk about injury prevention and, and, we would do developmental type drills, but we all had no idea that he was a doctor. We just thought he loved tennis and he was there to help us out with our conditioning. Um, so that was funny. And then I ended up seeing him for a tennis related back injury probably when I was around 16 years old. And then through college, I just kind of kept in touch with him. Um, and he's been a huge influence on my career and, you know, just the tennis medicine as a whole. He got me involved in the Society for Tennis Medicine and Science when I was in graduate school uh, pursuing my physical therapy degree. And then um, around the time that I had to pick where I wanted to do some of my internships for physical therapy school, I reached out to him and he set it up so that I could come down to Emory for my 10-week rotation, and so I got to work in the Emory Clinic, but then also shadow him in clinic and do some tennis-specific on-court evaluations and and just kind of hang out with him, and and he's awesome. He's so encouraging. He's so involved. He's really into a collaborative care, but also elevating the standard of care for tennis players, and so together now, since I've graduated from PT school, we've kind of collaborated on uh, some publications and that I'll be speaking on this year coming up at the STMS, their national and also their international conference in Tokyo later this spring. Um, and it's an exciting topic, actually. It's on we're uh, coming up with a new tennis specific diagnosis called backhand wrist. And this is an injury that we've seen arise in and not only the professional level, but then also in tennis players presenting to his clinic. And it's uh, wrist pain and the non-dominant wrist on a two-handed backhand. And this was an injury that I had in college and ended up having surgery for too. So we're really excited about that. And hopefully, uh, you know, getting backhand wrist is a mainstream term, just like tennis elbow and, and educating more parents, players, and coaches about injury prevention risk injury prevention, and then also monitoring for risks um, with tennis strokes for this specific injury. 
I think it's so awesome to have people who actually know how to play tennis in the medical field, in the PT field, working with these young athletes because you understand exactly what they're dealing with day in and day out. You've been there, done that. And Nero is the same way. And one of the things, you know, that I love about Nero as well is when he's diagnosing, I mean, he, he gets these kids out on the tennis court and hits tennis balls with them and watches their strokes, watches their movement, um, you know, watches how they behave in between points and, then can give a complete analysis of what's happening with that particular athlete. And I just think it's, it's such a cool development in our sport to have people like you and, you know, to have obviously Nehru as, as a mentor for people like you, Kayla, out there, you know, really changing the face of injury prevention and recovery in our sport. So um, thank you for pursuing that and for dedicating so much time and energy to studying and working hard to, to help the generations coming up behind you. I just, I think it's phenomenal. I would love to, to have you kind of shift focus a little bit and let's talk about injury prevention because nobody wants their kid to get hurt and have to sit out from practices and tournaments and all of that. What have you learned from your personal experiences in this regard to now help develop protocols around injury prevention in young tennis players? Yeah. um, To your point, I think on court stroke, on-court evaluations, which is something that I offer in my practice now too, and and just monitoring stroke mechanics is so important for injury prevention. I'd say the three major injuries that I had in my playing career, I would definitely attribute them to either overuse or overtraining, you know, as a young athlete under 12 years old. And then during my college playing days, uh, definitely both my injuries. So I had, um, I tore my labrum and my shoulder, my dominant arm. Uh, and that happened. So I had both of these injuries kind of nagging me throughout my sophomore season and then had surgery on, on both of them my junior year. Um, so I tore my labrum and my shoulder and then I tore my TFCC complex and my non-dominant wrist. So backhand wrist type injury, um, and both of them I attribute to faulty mechanics and inefficient movement patterns. So not using, you know, my whole body the most efficiently in my serve and then also on my two-handed backhand. Um, so I think understanding um, injury risk associations as they relate specifically to tennis strokes is super important, not only um, for injury prevention, but then also to just be a, a better, more efficient tennis player. So I think educating, you know, parents to, to seek, uh, to ask those questions to coaches, you know, is it, is it related to their stroke or mechanics or is it something like that? And that's something that I wish I did more of was more conservative management, um, rather than having surgery. I think when you're injured and you have a chronic injury for a period of time, having surgery seems like a really quick fix. And so as an athlete, it's like, oh, that's my answer. Like, that's what I want to do. Um, but looking back in long-term and now working in um, as a physical therapist, I really am a strong um, encourager of 
of conservative management and then looking first at stroke mechanics, but then also what can we be doing off the court from a rehabilitation standpoint um, to kind of build up and regain strength or control or stability, whatever the injury may be uh, prior to making decisions related to surgery. Because sometimes those are related to, you know, longer return to play outcomes or, or more complications later on in life. Absolutely. And so, I mean, you talk about overuse injuries and, you know, there's been a lot written and spoken about um, early specialization with youth sports over the past few years. In your opinion, what is the ideal age for a child to pick one sport and focus solely on that sport, letting everything else go? Yes, I think in the literature right now, we don't really have a good solid recommendation for that. Um, But in general, and based on some of the research that Dr. Jancy has done, um, obviously not specializing uh, when at the age of 12 or younger. And then the 12 to 14 or 12 to 16 age group is kind of a gray area. I think it's really dependent on what sports you're playing and, um, you know, some of the sports that are more stylized like gymnastics or dance, uh, girls are having to specialize in those activities much earlier. Um, I think tennis could probably fall under an earlier specialization as well, um, just because of the, the skill that it takes with, with the racket sport. But I think if you can delay specialization till around ages 14 to 16. Um, but I think that the current structure of, you know, the USDA and, and tournaments doesn't really allow for that. So I think it's, it's really a hard question to answer for tennis specifically. Um, and I think that's something, you know, area for the research, but then also an area of looking at, you know, the governing bodies for tennis and are we, now that it's, it's awesome, we have the 10 and under tennis and that development and, and that progression. Um, but looking at some of the older age groups and are we really allowing players time off throughout the year or are we making it so that in order to maintain a certain ranking and, and to be able to get into tournaments, you kind of have to play year round. So again, it's still a gray area. It's not quite well known in the literature, but um, if you are specializing, then making sure that you are doing things off the court in addition to your training to kind of supplement your injury prevention is really important. And so let's talk specifics around that. What should kids be doing? Because we know, I mean, you've been there, I've been there as a parent, you know, if a kid is specializing in tennis and choosing tennis as their sport, it requires several hours every single day. Your weekends are spent traveling to tournaments and competing in tournaments. There's really not a whole lot of time for anything else. So let's give parents some specific guidance in how to help their kids be balanced and help reduce these injuries. Yeah. So. Again, that's, like you said, it's a challenge because you have to dedicate training time for hours and hours per week and then also traveling and, and tournaments. I think if you can structure in rest periods during the week, that's really important for injury prevention, at least one day off, um, if not more, if, if possible. But um, having your child 
have a strong um, injury prevention program that's tennis specific. So something that I do with my athletes is make sure that they have a good rotator cuff strengthening program um, that they're they're doing. And it's not just a band warm up. It's, you know, are you actually strengthening your cuff muscles and, and helping to prevent shoulder injuries and working on scapular control um, and then also working on some mobility. So hip mobility and thoracic or upper back mobility and having a mini program that's comprehensive but doable and something that's only going to take, you know, 20 to 30 minutes and maybe it's they're doing it three times a week before they you know, before they practice. And sometimes you just have to, you know, you have to make time for it. And if that means splitting it up over the course of multiple days or, you know, focusing on a different body part each day, it's that. But you kind of have to think big picture. It's great that you have all this training, but if you're not able to fit in some of the more preventative exercises, where is that going to get you in the long run? Like you'll maybe you'll end up with an injury and it might've been better to cut back on some areas of your training and to make time for the injury prevention programming. Right. So, I mean, specific exercises, I mean, you talked about rotator cuff strengthening and thoracic mobility, hip mobility. Um, And are those the most common areas of overuse injury that you see as a physical therapist? Um, so I think the most common are probably um, wrist and hand, shoulder, and then also lower back. Mm-hmm. And I attribute these to uh, mostly to faulty mechanics. So usually that's something that can be addressed on court and, and looking at inefficiencies in stroke mechanics, but then supplemented with a strengthening program or a stability program so that they're not only learning, um, you know, how to hit a tennis ball more efficiently, and but also um, how to strengthen in those areas so that uh, their movement patterns are more strong and stable. And is that something that a coach should be teaching, a tennis coach, or that they need, you know, a specific um, PT who who knows the sport. I mean, because not everybody lives in the Chicago area or in the Atlanta area, so they don't have access to you or Dr. Nehru. Um, mm-hmm. So we we want everybody to have access to, you know, making sure they their kids stay healthy. Right. So this is where we need to do a better job as a profession of of educating parents and then also educating coaches and and opening the lines of communication to allow for a more collaborative relationship. And so to your point, like, you know, only a few of us out here are actually, you know, doing tennis specific medicine and, and we're trying to spread the word and and grow the message nationwide, but obviously it starts small. And so maybe it is, you know, me being a resource and being available to talk to a parent about this or, or being able to talk to a coach specifically about, um, you know, what types of pain or injuries their athletes are having. Um, and then I, something I am working on right now is creating a platform with all this information that you're asking for and um, having, you know, easy downloadable guides from our website so that um, there is some general information out there just to increase education on this topic and and make it more commonplace as opposed to everyone kind of working in isolation and and then the, an injured athlete you know not getting getting the care that they need. 
So if a young athlete is experiencing pain and, you know, they suspect or the parents suspect that this is, you know, something that's going to develop into an overuse injury that's going to require time away from this sport, what do they do? Um, you know, if they're, if the coach isn't capable or, you know, it's the injuries happening because of the way the coach has taught the strokes to this player. So, you know, maybe biomechanically the player's not doing the right thing, but this is what the player's coach has taught. I mean, you're just kind of between a rock and a hard place here. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it helps when you can go see one, see someone that understands the game of tennis and how injury um, patterns are associated with, you know, certain tennis strokes. But as a parent and, and a young athlete, you don't want them to be training with pain, especially if it's low back, um, shoulder, or knee. And those are areas where we need to take a pause, go see um a sports medicine specialist and, and make sure there's not something serious going on. But then um, even just seeing someone that is a sports physical therapist. So if you can look for someone that has their SCS or um, sports certified specialist certification as a physical therapist, that's a provider that is um, going to be a little bit more knowledgeable specifically in managing athletes and, and um, sports specific injuries. Okay. And so, I mean, now with the internet, obviously, you know, people can videotape their kids and, you know, their coaches that will accept videos and do analyses for, for a fee or whatever. Do you see physical therapy moving in that direction as well, where, you know, people can send you a video of their kid hitting balls and you can analyze that and say, you know, these are the areas of concern and these are the changes that need to happen, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, definitely. Telehealth is a um, a growing area within the physical therapy profession, but also healthcare as a whole. And this is somewhere too where I have consulted with parents and players previously from, you know, out of state, and they'll call and or send me a video or send me a picture, and I've been able to give kind of general recommendations um, to some of these players that have more in-season injuries or. Uh, you know, they've got a, a tournament coming up and they just need a quick consult. And so that is something that I have done in the past. And I definitely believe that that will be a growing area of the telehealth and being able to just, you know, send videos and then, you know, do a video conference call and, and discuss, you know, next steps. So um, that's definitely an area that is going to be growing for sure over the next few years. Let's go back to injury prevention a little bit. And let's talk about the exercises that you recommend for shoulder, back, knee, wrist. And maybe you can describe them. I know it'd be great if we had a video that we could play and people could see it. Um, And maybe you have that on your website or it's coming on your website. So we'll definitely link to your website in the show notes on parentingaces.com. But in the meantime, could you give us just some you know, descriptions of some of the exercises that you would like to see young players doing? Yeah. And then I can uh, definitely make a guide and we can put that in the show notes to, to download as a supplement kind of material with, but with pictures. But I think 
Um, so as far as rotator cuff strengthening goes, um, being able to perform like a sideline external rotation with a dumbbell, and that's an exercise you should be able to look up and find pretty easily. Um, but then also working with a cable machine and doing weighted external and internal rotation, both in neutral and then in that overhead or 90-90 position, and being able to perform those motions with control, but also good form. Um, these are exercises that players, especially young players who don't have as good of body awareness, will tend to compensate on. So knowing exactly what to look for and keeping the shoulder blades stabilized and then um, working on slow and controlled movement patterns through full ranges of motion. Um, working on scapular control, so movement of the shoulder blades, being able to hold a plank position without the scaps or shoulder blades winging, um, and then being able to perform some scapular push-ups. So being able to go into like a protracted or push-up position and then a retracted position where the shoulder blades are pulling together. Um, with good control, good body mechanics, but not allowing the low back to dip out. So this is good for not only developing scapular control, but then also core stability and trunk control. Um, and in our younger athletes, we see a lot of that excessive low back arching or um, what we call lumbar lordosis. So working on uh, controlling through the entire trunk and stabilizing through that area. Um, and then also on the cable column, working on scapular retraction with um, either like a high row or like a face pull motion and working on being able to squeeze shoulder blades back and down and not doing like a shrugging type motion. Um, but loading these up with weight as the, as the athlete gets better at doing them is actually going to help develop strength. Um, so starting with probably you know, anywhere from three to four sets doing 10 to 15 repetitions where the last few reps um, should be quite challenging and then increasing your weight so that you're doing more of a, a strength training program of maybe three sets of six to eight repetitions with a heavier weight. Um, so those are probably just some very basic general exercises to start mm -hmm. with. But a lot of people tend to uh, kind of misconstrue that, oh, I'm doing my band work and I'm, you know, working on my bands with my rotator cuff. Bands are excellent for warming up the rotator cuff prior to, you know, playing a match or practicing, but you actually need to develop true, true strength and that's only achieved with overloading with some resistance. How young is too young to add weight? Um, it really depends. So I've, you know, some athletes who develop a little faster and, you know, they can, they have good body control, good body mechanics. And so we can add weight. I don't think we can really put an, an age to it. I, I think if an athlete first has to develop good fundamental movement patterns or what we like to call physical literacy. So it's like the ability and confidence to, uh, to perform physical activity. So squatting, jumping, lunging, uh, twisting, rolling, any any type of movement like that. And we're seeing now, you know, our younger kids that aren't maybe as active, they're not developing these skills as early on. And so we'll get, you know, a 14-year-old pitcher, a 14-year-old tennis player who's quite good at tennis, but you ask them to do a single leg squat and, you know, they they can't do, perform the task at all. So it's really dependent on the individual athlete and what their body control looks like and their body mechanics. Mm -hmm. 
So there's not a magic age at which you say, you know, okay, now it's time for a child to begin using weights to begin, you know, to in, enhance their strength training program. It's really individual. Yeah. So it's the prerequisite is really having good body mechanics and good movement. And then once you're able to uh, demonstrate that, then loading it. Sometimes if you load an athlete too early with weight, it actually provides them with more stability. And so they can perform the movements easier. But then when you take the weight away from them and ask them to just do a body weight squat, it's much harder because they don't have that weighted input um, to help with the control. And so teaching them to just control their own body before adding weight is definitely a requirement. Um, but it is safe to to add resistance to a young a young athlete if they're able to uh, demonstrate good body mechanics and control. And who makes that decision if they're able to demonstrate that? Would that be a physical therapist that would be able to determine it, or a fitness trainer, or a tennis coach, or what? Yeah, so a tennis coach should be qualified to do this. A, a strength or fit, fitness coach for sure, and then also a physical therapist. Um, so something that we do in my practice is provide tennis health evaluations or adolescent athlete evaluations where we go through um, some of the common injury risk factors with whatever specific sport or athlete we're working with. And then we also review some of these basic fundamental movement patterns to evaluate exactly where an athlete is and then implement you know, a supplemental program with it or work with their coach or strength and conditioning at their school to develop a program like this. And um, I'm hoping that this type of service becomes more commonplace so that we're better serving, you know, our youth athletes as a whole across the country. But I think it's a service that, you know, our clients have definitely found value in because it's it's preventative and we're, we're seeing these athletes before they get hurt and then hopefully preventing them from, you know, facing an injury. How can a parent tell if their child's coach is qualified to make these types of evaluations and recommendations in terms of the off-court training? I mean, what are the specific questions maybe that the parents can ask? Um, I'm really not sure how to answer this one. Um. <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot. But I mean, I think, you know, we, we all like to think that our child's coach has all of this knowledge, but right. not not every tennis coach does have all of this knowledge. So maybe looking at um, some of the certifications or qualifications that they have, I believe the CTPS certification through the ITPA um, you have to have some of this kind of movement quality analysis curriculum um, in order to obtain that certification. So looking for, for those uh, qualifications in a, a tennis pro. Right. And I, I mean, listen, we know the certifying organizations, you know, they're, they're not looking at this stuff when they're granting their certifications to the coaches. So USPTA, PTR, this is not part of what they're testing on. So just because a coach has those letters behind his or her name, that's oftentimes not enough, right? I mean, they, they also need to have training in how to work off court with these kids if you're going to trust your child to them because the last thing you want is for the tennis coach to be making recommendations when the coach doesn't have the knowledge or training 
to make sure your child is doing things safely. Right. Um, yeah. And I, I really am. I honestly, I, I'm apologize, but I don't have a good answer for this. And I, and I think that's, um, kind of a testament to some of my frustrations as an, an athlete and, and some of my experiences was just not having access to, um, you know, specialized care, even when you're at a, you know, division one university and you have like these, you know, great healthcare, you know, professionals around you, but having someone that knows tennis is, is just invaluable, but it's, it's, uh, also not commonplace. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, so, it's very different to treat a football player than a tennis player mm-hmm. or a gymnast or a, you know, any sport. I mean, they're all very unique. So. And that's an area where the Society for Tennis Medicine and Science is, is really trying to um, grow and, and develop more resources so that we can have, you know, answers to these questions available readily um, for players, parents, and coaches. And, um, and you know, that's it's definitely an area that we need to to improve upon and, and then just keep providing more education on. And it's something that in my practice now that I'm, you know, in my own private practice is one of my goals is to, you know, start being able to develop these guides and resources and have everything, you know, more tennis specific information all in one place. And then hopefully providing more, you know, consultative services as well. And, um, you know, just being better at managing tennis athletes as a whole, especially uh, after my experiences that I had and, and the injuries that I faced. Right, right. I mean, it's just, it's tough out there. And, and I know, you know, coaches have the best of intentions. Parents, of course, have the best of intentions. Everybody is trying to keep athletes injury free. And in the case where they do become injured, trying to get them healthy and back into their sport as quickly as possible. And I just, you know, it, it is a very frustrating kind of state of affairs in our sport, especially on the heels of, you know, watching some other sports have their biggest events of the year and seeing the type of care that's available for those athletes versus the tennis athletes. Um, Super frustrating. So, I i mean, one of the reasons I really wanted to get you on the show, even though I, I want to just tell the audience that Kayla initially reached out to me just to be, you know, to kind of touch base. And she wanted to be a resource for all of you um, who are parents and coaches out there. And I kind of pushed and said, you know, let's get you on the podcast because I think it's important to share this information as much as we can. Um, you know, I, I, between what you're doing, Kayla, and what Dr. Jayanthi's doing, I think we are making progress, certainly, but we still have a long way to go. And ultimately, the parents are the ones that are, you know, most concerned with protecting their children from injury and, making sure that they don't have long-term effects if they do get injured. You know, the last thing you want is your 30-year-old to be walking like a 70-year-old because of a tennis injury they experienced when they were 12. So, um, you know, it's just, it's a big challenge out there. So I want to say to you, Kayla, thank you so much for 
sharing this information with us and any specific resources that you have that we can share with the Parenting Aces community would be most, most welcome. Yeah, so um, definitely you can check out our website and then uh, join our newsletter. So my plan is for this year, it's my first year in my private practice is to, you know, start developing these guides and tennis specific resources. And let's get this information out there um, so that it's more commonplace and, and we're not doing our tennis athletes a disservice by, you know, not knowing um, some of this information. And I'm happy to be a resource, you know, personally, you can email me anytime. I uh, would be happy to talk to parents and, and players specifically if their child is going through, you know, a tennis related injury. And um, yeah, happy to be a resource and just so happy to have been able to share your platform today. Well, thank you. And to the listeners, I want to just encourage you to check out the show notes on parentingaces.com. They are going to, going to include not only links to contact Kayla directly and to her website, but also to several resources that are going to be important for you to have at hand just in case you need to use them. So, Kayla, thank you so, so much. I look forward to continuing this conversation with you and want to invite you to come back on the podcast anytime things, you know, something new comes about, um, new information, new resources, please let us know. And I will do my part to help you spread the word about the importance of tennis specific training, tennis specific injury care and prevention. And um, let's, let's make a change here. Yeah, I'm excited. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you. And to my listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. And we'll catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, by a tennis parent. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at parentingaces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.